So uh, Matthew chapter number seven. <laughs> With an old boy. I love it. <laughs> Good morning, y'all. Matthew chapter number seven. We'll begin reading in verse number one. And the Bible tells us, he says, judge not. Jesus speaking, he said, judge not that ye be not judged. For with that judgment ye judge, uh, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that's in thy brother's eye, but considerest thou not the beam that's in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite! First cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. This uh, portion of scripture, it's not surprising that uh, Christians have one, uh, uh, at least one favorite Bible verse in all the, uh, throughout the Bible. It's also, uh, what's surprising is there's a lot of non-Christians that have a verse that uh, they like to pull out for, the, uh, for them and uh, somehow I seem to hear this verse, chapter 7, verse number 1, that uh, gets named the most. Uh, judge not that ye be not judged. Now, uh, this uh, card's played somewhere or some way every day in our country. We hear you can't judge me or who are you to judge. Even those who don't believe the Bible or don't even like the Bible will quote and, and uh, with relish, judge not lest you be judged. And Honestly, there is a tendency uh, to go to both of, of the extremes. Uh, there are some people that get up in the morning, they take their pajamas off, and they put on their judicial robe. And uh, they judge everything and anybody uh, for just about any reason. Their spiritual gift is, is criticism. And uh, as we, uh, we jump in, the other extreme is what I believe is far more prevalent today. And in uh, and, and, and a lot of ways, it's more and more people won't judge anything. They just won't, they, they want to go like this. So we have, we have the extreme. You look and you go, well, wait a minute. If we go back here uh, six months, eight months in time, you'd go, well, everybody was judging and everybody got to a place where they were afraid to talk. Because, wait a minute, you might be on the other side of the line of me and I don't want to get in an argument with you. It's amazing when, you, when we look and you go, there's the, the, so I don't want to. And so we, we come along with kind of the attitude that somebody might go, well, I hear no evil, speak no evil, see no evil. And uh, so as we're finishing the series, we've been calling it Belief Barriers. We've identified five major reasons why uh, people reject uh, the church and Christianity. And one of those five is judgmentalism. Uh, people equate the church today and, and they'll say, well, the, uh, a holier-than-thou attitude that screams and, and uh, what they uh, are against and whispers what they're for. They hear the criticism, but they don't hear the compassion. They hear the condemnation, but they don't feel the care. And again, I, uh, I would admit for, for a good bit of us, we're guilty as charged. We, uh, we are going to look at what I believe is probably most misunderstood, misused, misapplied verse in scripture uh, as we uh, as we look at this verse and and uh, this portion of scripture it's not just unbelievers who misapply it and misunderstand but sadly there uh, there are many believers who make the same mistake and uh, one Yale professor university professor said uh, 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 who survived an attack from a unibomber he explained that the word judgmental is uh, of uh, surprisingly recent usage, he said it wasn't even the, in the dictionary as recent as the 1970s. 
He went on to say the noun judgment was used for centuries in a positive, honorable way, and the adjective judgmental came into being as something harsh. Uh, so we're going to dive into what Jesus said and, and uh, what Jesus didn't say about the whole matter of judging. If we're uh, one of those folks that uh, we, uh, we look and you go, wait a minute, that's, uh, uh, somebody says it's, it's overbearing. And uh, uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to say I'm glad you're here <laughs> before I get any further. I'm glad you're here. Um, and I'm thankful because, you know, I have been to churches that are over the top in judgmentalism. Um, I have been in churches where they've, uh, where they literally, it's, it's, well, you're lost, I'm saved, and there's a line that's drawn there. Or they might even go so far as to do so uh, maybe in somebody's appearance. Uh, we talked about last week in one of our barriers that we were talking about. Uh, last week in James, that, uh, chapter 2, when uh, we talked about prejudicism or, or a, uh, um, and uh, the prejudice that we have, and it might be uh, by appearance, it might be by heart, uh, several different areas in which we deal with. But as we uh, dive in, in uh, this portion of Scripture, uh, I want you to notice we're going to visit the statement that Jesus makes, and he said, judge not that you be not judged. So first of all, we have to judge honestly. Let's, let's get some some foundation there. We've got to judge honestly. The, the, the word that uh, used for judge literally means to, to discriminate or to make a difference. And uh, that's not always used in a negative fashion as it is here. Um, you, uh, it, here it means to offer a criticism that is either unfair or unjustified. So keep in mind we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is talking primarily to followers. He's teaching them what true discipleship was and he was saying in effect if you are going to follow me you should at least you should be the the least judgmental of anybody and yet you may battle being judged folks may judge you more than anybody let's be all honest for those that, that do that, that attend church who try to live the Christian life who who believe it's important to obey God's commands it's easy to fall into I'm holier than those. You say, now, Pastor, that's not me. But that holier-than-thou attitude, you realize it's easy to look down at our nose of people who don't walk the same standard that we walk. It's, uh, it's something that, that the church needs to guard against. So you, you say, Pastor, what, what do you mean by that? Well, it's really kind of a, an interesting thing because you go, wait a second. I've had the privilege to have been, I've, I've been saved now for more than 30 years. And all of those 30 years, now have I done everything I'm supposed to do? I'll shake my head and say no. No question about it. I haven't done all that I'm supposed to do. I haven't, uh, no, no way, no how. But in those 30 years in, in my life, God should have been a big Bible word. We don't hear it a lot in church anymore, but sanctifying me, cleansing me, cleaning me up. So uh, I like the statement like this. See, I like to go fishing once in a while. And when I go fishing, I want to catch him, and I want him to clean them. See, that's not my job. My job's not to, my job just, uh, our job's to get them, to gather them. Uh, let him do the catching and the cleaning. And uh, I, that's not, not, my, not my job to, uh, to do the cleaning. And so over that 30 years, God's been doing a work. Now, let's go ahead and move a little farther, and you go, now, Pastor, what do you mean? Well, I have to guard myself because over that period of time, there are some things that the Holy Spirit of God has convicted me about 
and said, you don't do. You don't do. Pat, you don't do that. Now, that's not for you. That may not be for you at all. But for Pat Bruce, the Holy Spirit of God has, let's do that, knocked on my heart's door and said, you don't do that. That's not for you. And all of a sudden, when God knocks on my heart's door and says, you don't do that, then over that 30 years, I had to learn that. Now, I, I have news for you. Some of those things where I draw a line and I go, no, 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 that's not for you, number one. Number two, when we look at it, we have to be sure that you go, wait a second, where did that line come from? That line came from much maturity, a lot of time and growing. Because I promise you, if God would have told me 30 years ago, I'd have said, no way. Now, I'll give a kind of a funny illustration of it for a second. I was called for jury duty. Anybody like jury duty? I don't see anybody raising their hand for jury duty. You ever want to get out of jury duty, you just put my name right beside yours on your form, and I promise you, you'll, you'll get asked questions. I promise you, you're going to get asked questions, but you won't be there long. It, uh, it's just that simple. On, on Tuesday morning, I report for jury, jury duty, and I walk in the door, and the lady goes, it was just too funny. She goes, Mr. Bruce, we're glad to see you. You're going to have a seat in, juror box, in the juror box in seat number one. Seat number one. I'm like, man, I don't stand much of a chance today. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm like, well, I'm here. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Why? Because that's our civic duty. We're supposed to do it. I'm there, and I'm going, hmm. They started asking questions. I thought it was funny because they asked the juror questions. Um, we're going through Wadir, and we're, uh, we're in that process. They're asking questions. And I, it's funny because the prosecutor, prosecuting attorney asks me a question for the fourth question in a row. And I, uh, I looked at him and I said, is there anybody else in the jury box? Because <laughs> I was the only one that had any questions asked. I was like, man, this is rough. He sets down, the defense attorney gets up, asks a series of questions all directed at myself, only he gave two questions to the gentleman that was beside me. Kind of looked at him kind of funny. I thought, how'd you get picked out? That was just the way it was. You go, Pastor Pat, what does this have to do with? Well, trust me, let's finish this thing for a second here. And then they went through a series of questions. They asked one lady one other question, and then he came back to me, and he asked me, he said, beyond reasonable doubt, they gave the charges, driving under the influence. And I said, that's pretty simple. Matter of fact, it's really simple. The law states a number. If you're over that number and you're driving, you're driving under the influence. If you're, you're, if you're below that number and you're driving, well, you're not driving under the influence. It's simple. I don't know why you're asking all these questions. We can settle this. And it was funny because I kind of said that and you could tell my whole mentality was not doing. And out of the corner of my eye, I'm watching the gentleman and a couple of the seats beside me and I see their heads going. And the defense attorney turns to the judge and says, I moved to strike the whole back row. We all had the privilege to leave right then. You go, that's quick. 
That's simple. And I go, wait a minute. And we're walking out. The gentleman, I didn't realize, the gentleman was sitting beside me. He was attorney, and he goes, he said, they weren't going to keep you from your questionnaire. You were just the question answer person to make the rest of us nod our heads. And you did good on the last question. <laughs> he says, just so you know, don't feel bad. And he says, you did good. He says, anybody, with a, and, and he was funny. He, we talked out in the parking lot for a few minutes. But as you walk through, you say, judge not lest you be judged. And you go, wait a second. We all have to, to a degree, you have to. You have to judge. Why? Because, you know what? I can't. Would, would it be wise? Would it be wise? Pastor Pat comes walking up and goes up to the, the door and realizes this is more bar than restaurant. I need to make a decision, don't I? I need to make a judgment call. I need to make a judgment call. I'm going to pick on the kids playing softball. I, they made a judgment call every pitch, don't they? Make a judgment call. Is it a strike or is it a ball? So there's a place where, where we have to make decisions. We have to make a, we have to judge. We have to look and you have to, have to make that, uh, uh, um, uh, um, uh, those decisions. And, uh, but not only decisions, but some folks go, when, when you judge other people based on our opinions or our feelings or, or our self-made standards, then we're condemning that and, and it's unfair or unjustified. We're being judgmental at that point. We're not wrong to, to judge an action or a conduct when God's word plainly states that those things are wrong, but it's never wrong to, to call a wrong a wrong when God calls it wrong. When God calls it wrong. Um, i give you some examples. And, and uh, so uh, as we go through, you, you, we could look and we can say, well, it's pretty simple. Uh, adultery, God says, wrong. Fornication, wrong. In fact, all sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman is wrong. Lying, wrong. Stealing, wrong. Pride, wrong. Hatred, wrong. Envy, wrong. Racism, wrong. And it's not my judgment. And we can go through it. It's not my judgment. That's what God says and God's word plainly teaches. Those things I don't have to judge because God already has. Jesus listed a lot of those things and, and right here in the Sermon on the Mountain. By the way, we can use the right standard and still be judgmental if we judge someone with the wrong spirit. With the wrong spirit. And if we're applying the right standard to the wrong situation. And um, I read about a girlfriend that uh, wanted to call her her boyfriend, whose name was Mike, but uh, when she dialed the number, she hit one wrong digit. Now, I, I, you know, that must have been the old-time dial, you know, because most of us are programmed now, but she, uh, she hit one wrong digit, so, and it so happens she got the, the number of a man who had the same name as her boyfriend, and woman answered the phone. She said, is Mike there? The lady said, he's in the shower. The girlfriend said, would you please tell him his girlfriend phoned? And she hung up. She didn't return the call. She just hit redial. This time, man answered, and he said, this is Mike. And immediately she recognized it wasn't her boyfriend's voice. She said, uh, you're not my boyfriend. He said, I know. That's what I've been trying to tell my wife for the last half hour. Whoops. The reason we've got to be careful to make sure that we're judging things honestly, because the original principle that Jesus lays out, and he tells us there in verse number two, for with the same, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. 
Just as there are certain physical laws that govern the universe, there are also certain spiritual laws that do the same. Isaac Newton's third law might be the most famous one of all, and he said for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction. Jesus gave what I call the law of measures. According to the law of measures, they will either make you or break you. And uh, the way the judge, uh, the way we judge others is the way that we'll be judged. How we judge others is the way others will judge us. We must judge honestly. We're also to judge humbly. Now, we're going to get into the meat of what Jesus is saying, and he uh, explains what he, he meant in verse number one. He asks two questions. He asks a why question and a how question. A why and a how. Why do you look? See, as you look and you go, and why beholdest thou the mote that's in thy brother's eye? Why? Verse number four, he said, or how wilt thou say to thy brother? Now, Jesus uh, had a sense of humor, and the picture's kind of funny. Here's a man focusing like a, uh, a laser beam on a speck of sawdust in one man's eye, and yet he has a two-by-four sticking out of his own. You go, hmm. There's, there's the, the picture. The word speck literally means a splinter. And do you know what a, 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 a splinter is? It's, a, it's a small, just a small piece of a plank, right? Just a small piece of the board. But what Jesus is, is said really is often we criticize the faults of others that we have in our own lives. For example, have you ever noticed how gossips talk about people who gossip? I've always thought that one was interesting. Finding someone else's fault is just to chip off the old block. So this is just a basic principle of human nature. and We tend to see a splinter in someone else's eye as long as we see the log. Uh, and, and while the whole time we have a log in our own eye. So I tend to look at other people's faults or other, uh, uh, other people with a microscope and I, I ought to look at my, uh, and I try to look at my own faults instead what, more like a telescope. Think of the difference between the two. The telescope puts it far away. The microscope sets it right here. You go, hmm. You see, we all have blind spots. Did you know the place where the optic nerve passes through the optic disc in your eye? We, we all literally have a blind spot. It, uh, it's approximately 7.5 degrees high and 5 degrees wide, and we rarely notice them because our brains have been wired to, to kind of blank them out. That's why we're susceptible to misjudging, misinforming, misunderstanding. See, I, I think it's interesting to go and you say, are there folks that are, uh, that are uh, no matter what church I've been in, we have what I, I call them splinter specialists. They find the splinters. They find the splinters. They're, they're experts finding fault, offering, criticizing, uh, passing judgment. And we all have a, a, a battle. That we have to battle the same problem when it comes to others' faults or others' uh, problems. We have a 20-20 vision, but when it comes to ours, we're as blind as can be. We miss seeing what, what it is that, that's, uh, that's ours. And the point that Jesus is making is very simple. Before we go so quick to judge somebody else, let's start at ourselves. We've got to look within. i got a feeling if we judge ourselves more, we might judge others less. Let me put it this way. If we want to see what, uh, what we look like in a mirror, if we want to see what someone else looks like, uh, you look out the window. 
See what Jesus is saying when we look out the window. Look Before you look out the window, look in the mirror. The next time we got a splinter in someone's uh, life, look for that log in our own. Confession of our faults must always come before the criticism of our faults. Think about that for a moment, that confession. Lord, where is it that it's just my life that's got to be taken care of, that needs to be dealt with? There's a little girl that was watching her mother do dishes one evening, and she suddenly noticed her mom had, had some white hair. I know you ladies don't want me to talk about hair like that, but she, she noticed mom had some, some white hair that was mixed in with her red hair, and she says to mom, why are some of your hairs turning white? And I love little kids. I love their answers. I love how it works. She just asked a simple question. Mom, she did well. Mom says, uh, thinking about it, and, and it's a good teachable moment. She says, honey, that's because every time you do something wrong, you make mom cry, you make mommy cry, or you break my heart, and, and one of my hairs turn white. She was smug in what she said until her little girl looks back at her and says, well, mama, how come all of grandma's hairs are so white? Let's look out the window before we look in the mirror before we look out the window. We're to judge humbly. We're also to judge helpfully. We're going to see why it's so important in, uh, in our text. We put it in a context. There's an old saying that, uh, that a text without a context is a pretext, and it's a, a great example. If Jesus had just stopped in verse number one, gone on to another topic, it'd kind of settle the matter and, and it'd be an absolute statement. Verse 5 is the key to understanding exactly what Jesus was saying. In verse number 5, he said, Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote of thy brother's eye. Now, uh, I look in verse number 5, and he starts off, and he tells us, he said, Thou hypocrite. Remember that hypocrisy is also one of the five barriers of belief. A hypocrite someone who looks out the window and never looks in the mirror. Notice what Jesus said. He did, he did not say, you're never to look out the window and judge something that's wrong. He says, first look in the mirror and see what, may, what might be wrong. First look within. That's why most people misunderstand what Jesus said is because they try to make Jesus say something he didn't say. They don't hear him saying something that he did say. See, there are more key words in this verse. The first uh, word in, uh, is, is first. Notice he said, thou hypocrite, first cast out. First. And then there's another word. When you get in there, you get a little deeper. He said, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye and then. So you have first and then. You, you go, oh, wait a minute. That, that means, wait a second. First is, is uh, remember, first clause. But they want to uh, want us to forget the then clause. So here's what Jesus is saying. Judgment, first of all, begins at home. It doesn't begin with the other person. It begins with, at home. It begins with me. And then, uh, then you go, it begins with ourself. We look in the mirror. He's not forgetting, for, forbidding judgment that's done right, in the right place, the right way, in the right spirit. In fact, it imparts that we are a spiritual person, that we are to judge accordingly. 
The spiritual person judges all things. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 15. See, it's not wrong to confront a person if there's sin in a person's life. In fact, it's not wrong, to, uh, not wrong at all. Well, let me ask you. Parents, do you have to confront the sin of your children? We would have to shake our head and go, well, yeah. Yeah, it's the process of raising and teaching them. That's the part of doing so. If we don't teach our children, if we don't confront, then you know what? We, we are, are not teaching. Simply put, Jesus is not telling us to not to judge. He's telling us how to. You couldn't even live your life if you didn't make judgments. We make tons of judgments every day between good and evil, right and wrong, danger, safety, when to say something, when not to say something. If we didn't have judges who judged, judges who passed sentences, and judges who incarcerate criminals, we'd have anarchy. We'd have trouble all over our country. Imagine what would happen to the rule of law if everyone who, who sat on a jury decided when it came to, to rapists, child molesters, murderers, and terrorists, they said, well, who am I to judge? Imagine the anarchy that would take place in our country. See, because of judgment that is right and good, we have child labor laws, we have civil rights. The Bill of Rights is a result of good judgment. The truth is we can't shirk any responsibility when it comes to judgment. We've got to be looking for the plank in our own eye and willing to confess it, own up, deal with it, remove it. And once we've done that, yes, we must be loving enough to help someone else take the splinter out of their eye. We've got to be willing to go to, to them. Jesus said it perfectly when he said it this way. Stop judging by mere appearances. Verse number 7, he said, How wilt thou say the, to thy brother, Let me pull out the boat out of thine own eye, and behold a beam that's in thine own. Let's stop judging according to the appearance. According to the appearance. I'm sorry, verse number, it's actually Mark chapter 7 is what I was rattling off there. Mark chapter 7 and verse number 4. And he tells us over there, he says, For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh it to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. Very simple. Stop judging by mere appearance, but judge correctly. See, you never... You judge a tree, how? By its fruit. By its fruit. We shouldn't judge a book by its cover. But you should judge a book by its content. You shouldn't judge a person by the color of their skin. And you should judge a person by the content of their character. See, all of that makes the cross shine and sparkle like a diamond on the noonday sun. We look and go, there's the, the picture. Because Jesus didn't have even a speck in his eye, not even a splinter. He, he took the log. He took the two-by-four. He took the plank that's been in our eye forever. He formed it and he put it in, and he accepted the judgment that should have been ours. He's the supreme judge of the universe. His judgment's the most honest, most humble, 
and most helpful of all. May we follow in his footsteps. May we walk with him. See, we look in Matthew chapter 7 and he, he tells us there and I always find it interesting as I walk down through that portion of scripture and, and you look at it in verse number 6 as he's talking on the Sermon on the Mount and then he moves to give not that which is holy unto the dogs neither cast your pearls before swine lest they trample them under feet and turn again and rend you. Verse 7, asking to be given you, seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. I find it interesting as you walk through the Sermon on the Mount there as we, as we do so. Whew. Now not an unfamiliar portion of scripture. But a belief barrier. It is for many. It is for many because we have that way. We have the way of pointing. And I challenge us this morning that we take some time and say, Lord, look at my heart. Look at my heart. What are those challenges that we're dealing with? Maybe those folks that we're having a challenge with. Maybe it's 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 uh, those folks, and we go, "What what is my challenge there?" Lord, am I having a problem with that? Is that where my is that problem? Is that the beam that's in my eye that I cannot see? What is it that I've got? Lord, show me. I believe that's the essence of David's prayer when he said, "Search me, O God." And see if there be any wicked way in me. I believe that's the essence of his prayer to say, God, show me. And then just a few chapters later, he'd say, Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Create in me a clean heart. Help me remove, show it to me, and help me get rid of it. That'd be who you want me to be. That'd be who you want me to be. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And Maybe there's an area in our life this morning. Maybe we've, uh, maybe the Lord's revealed it. As we've uh, walked through this portion of Scripture, maybe He brought it to mind. I don't know. I know it always amazes me to see how God works. And maybe there's that area, and He says it's time for us to confess it. He's already shown you. Maybe there's an area that you're going, I, I, I'm not seeing the message today for me. And maybe we just need to say, Lord, show me. Search me. Show me that wicked way. See, to declare war on sin, we've got to welcome holiness. We've got to welcome who God is. We have to welcome His standard and say yes. So Lord, what is it in my life I need to bring before? I need to bring before. What is it in my life that I need to confess today?
Change me today. Change me today. Here in just a moment, music will begin. And as the music begins, will you come? As the Lord speaks to our hearts today, will you come? That very area that he's spoken to, will you come? Will we come to the altar today and deal with it? Will you come?